Welcome to What She Said on 105.9 The Region. I'm your host, Candace Sampson. Well, we ended up with a mixed bag of predictions from groundhogs across the country this past week. But in the end, an early spring forecast was the majority, so we're going to ride that happy foreshadowing this month and start planning for spring. What else can you expect to hear in February on What She Said? Well, it's all about matters of the heart this month, both when it comes to love and our health. We'll also be sharing stories that highlight Black History Month. And today's show, though, has a big focus on money. And we can love money, right? Especially when it comes to investing. By 2030, women are set to control 65% of the wealth in Canada. This is big news, ladies, and I have a mandate here at what she said to make sure we are all empowered and educated enough to use this transfer of wealth for good. And that starts in our own portfolios. Today, I'm thrilled to have Judy Fairburn and Shelley Coopers from The 51, a financial feminist platform that aims to build mutual wealth and social environmental impact, share knowledge and experiences, and help women become influential investors, innovators, and consumers. This Valentine's Day is going to be so different for our kids, but that doesn't necessarily mean worse. Jamie DeMack, always a bright light, joins me with some super sweet ideas that focus on making memories that neither you or the kids will forget anytime soon. Anne Brody is here, of course, and she's sharing love stories this week with Netflix's Malcolm and Marie, starring Zendaya, and John David Washington, Denzel's son. Who knew? And, of course, Two of Us, a touching story of the love between two senior women who have kept their love for each other a secret from others for years. She also shares details on HBO's remarkable anthology called Black Art in the Absence of Light from documentarian Sam Pollard which reveals a vivid history of a strong African-American culture of art and the new talent springing up all over the U.S. We've all been caught up in the GameStop phenomena happening in the stock market, and some of us might be thinking it's a good time to jump in and invest in some of these heavily shorted stocks. Not so fast, says Melissa Long, one of Canada's best-loved authorities on personal finance. Melissa isn't necessarily, isn't necessarily saying no, but she does want you to definitely look before you leap. Let's face it, we are all running out of things to do, and so it's with great joy that I can share the quest with you today. A month-long virtual experience you can sign up for at home. Added bonus, you can help raise funds for the more than 240,000 people living with Alzheimer's in Ontario. Even better... If you participate from another province, you can even designate the funds to go to your local Alzheimer's Society. You'll definitely want to hear more about how you can become the hero in your own story and in someone else's. Finally, women entrepreneurs across Canada have been missing attending conferences for inspiration, aspiration, and education. Thankfully, the conference all business owners have been hoping for is here, with four incredible workshops built to help you grow your business in these difficult times and featuring two keynote speakers you definitely don't want to miss. Devin Gerard joins me to share details about this free digital conference for women entrepreneurs on Thursday, March 4th called Strike Up. It's another full week of what she said with interviews that empower, educate, and entertain. So let's jump in right now on 105.9 The Region. Stop 
It is my hope that every woman listening to what she said is a feminist at heart. But after my next interview, I hope you'll add financial feminist into the mix. The 51 is a financial feminist platform where investors, entrepreneurs, and those who aspire to be come together for democratized access to women-led capital for women-led businesses to build mutual wealth and social environmental impact share knowledge and experience, and become influential investors. Joining me now to discuss are the founders of The 51, Judy Fairburn and Shelley Coopers. Welcome to the show, ladies. Hey, good morning. Hey, great to be here. I, I am in love with this whole um, business uh, what, that you've set up. I think it's incredible. So tell me about the story and sort of how this came to be. Yeah, you know, we, you know, The 51 was, was, was started based on, you know, we always say lived experiences. Um, we have another co-founder, Alice Reimer, and the three of us had all participated in the innovation ecosystem, um, the investing ecosystem, the entrepreneur ecosystem, and we just saw a consistent pattern of women not participating um, or not being invested in. And um, so if we kind of go across that spectrum, um, on the innovation side, we saw women that were leading really innovative companies, huge opportunities not getting funded. Um, you know, Alice and I ourselves were entrepreneurs. When we looked at the investing realm, um, we would see that there would be rooms of investors evaluating companies and there were no women in those rooms, um, except for maybe us. And we kept going, where are all the women? And there were none. Um, and so again, what we tried to do with the 51 is design an experience, um, which was community, which was capital, which was, you know, in some cases, content and experience and learning to really change the statistics across uh, the spectrum. We really believe um, that, you know, if you change the capital going into the system and you change who's managing that capital, we will invest in female entrepreneurs. And so, um, the 51 was started in my kitchen in March 2019 with uh, 75 women, um, and we've grown the 51 since then by really just trying to activate women's capital, finding the entrepreneurs and, and bringing them together and seeing if we can, um, you know, create new value. Tell me then how you define financial feminism or how you came to use that term. So I think it's, it's interesting if we look towards um, where the statistics are going in Canada. By the middle part of the decade, women will be responsible for half, for managing half the wealth um, in their realms. By the end of the decade, uh, forecasts are 65%. And if we think about that, that's a pretty fundamental shift from one third, just managing a third of it a decade ago. And so it's really critical we, we get actively involved and um, become totally independently and competent on financial matters, be equal in financial matters. And hence, financial feminism is an imperative to be equal in all things financial. And so we take that um, further, and that is sort of a platform here that we are not only investing in amazing um, women-led, co-led teams, but also we're upping by learning by doing the, ac the financial acumen of our community. 
Yeah, I use this. I use this expression a lot, but you know, a rising tide lifts all boats. Uh, you know, so the more women who get involved with this, the better off we'll all be. Uh, and it sounds like you've really filled a, a real need in the marketplace because I know myself. You know, sometimes I think, I, you know, I want to be investing in in things that matter, you know, like the environment that is huge for me, uh, like companies that are socially responsible, uh, companies that are being led by women, but I don't know where to go to find those, uh, those places. So this is this is huge. So can you tell me about some of the, the companies that you've that you're highlighting and sharing? Absolutely. And, you know, as we look at it and where we invest we invest in companies that align with our values as well as offering a, a very strong opportunity from an economic perspective so marrying together economic plus sustainability social inclusion and the like and so we have seen that um, we have very strong opportunities here whether that be in uh, consumer products that us as women uniquely understand uh, the opportunity for and can weave in sustainability and wonderful community um, that makes a difference. Um, also in the evolving worlds of, of, I mean, Canada's a real leader on this with respect to cleaner technologies through many walks of our lives and also in agriculture and food, things are evolving in health and it's all, it's all tied together. Um, and, you know, as Shelley often says, we're investing in the world we want to see. And we, we've uh, invested um, already in, in companies across Canada, as well as we worked together before even setting up our fund as a group of investors, um, right coast to coast um, in, in companies of this realm. And we have some great female uh, founded, co-founded teams in this country. So uh, you'll, you'll, there's a few companies that we've already done. For example, Mind, which was a Canadian founder, uh, then based at Well in LA, which is great, great experience. Um, and, and she recognized there was an underserved opportunity uh, for women that need a larger size, super comfortable um, um, support government bra. And, and we partnered with her and uh, it's a sustainable uh, product and it's um, already with strong, strong revenue. So, uh, you know, I think, and one of the other things that's key to point out is our capital is our financial capital, yes, but what's equally important is our intellectual and our human capital, bringing our full self. So we're not just unlocking the, the uh, women-led, co-led startups that are out there, but we're unlocking our investors and their smarts. All of us, you know, have a huge successful ecosystem here, essentially to create this flywheel of success. And I think that's what I really love about the 51, you know, just from a personal standpoint, you know, I've always found the world of finance very cold and detached and women are not. We, we come from a place of emotion, especially when it comes to money. And we want to know that there is true value in what we're investing in. So if somebody's listening right now and they're thinking this totally sounds like something I could get into, walk me through what it looks like uh, working with you. Yeah, maybe... I'll just reinforce it. I think, again, we have to go back to that whole word democratize. Um, what we're trying to do is exactly what you're saying is we're trying to take away the exclusiveness of finance and investing. But we often start with, um, you know, as consumers, we need to think of ourselves as investors. So when we spend our consumer dollars on products and services, that's equally investing. And so again, we're, you know, while we have set up a venture fund and uh, women and men can participate in that venture fund, 
It actually starts kind of in our day-to-day -day lives. What are we doing with our consumer dollars? And what products and services are we buying? And what are the founders and the CEOs behind those products and services? So financial feminism and you know, investing with your dollars begins with that. Um, when we look at the actual uh, venture fund, um, we've set it up in such a way that it, again, it's quite democratized. It's easy to access if you are an accredited investor. Um, our investing levels start at 5,100 a year for three years. So it's a total capital commitment of 15,300. Side by side with that, you know, we ask our, our fund participants or what we call limited partners to also buy an investor membership, which allows for them to, what well, doesn't allow, it enables them, like Judy was saying, for us to activate their human and intellectual capital side by side with their financial capital to ensure the greatest likelihood of success for those female entrepreneurs that we're backing. We want to put all of our weight and all of our power and all of our insight behind them to create success. And so um, one part is community, one part is capital, um, but you know, capital in our minds goes beyond just financial. Okay. So uh, listen, I, I am singing your praises. Obviously, I think you guys are amazing. I think what you're doing is incredible. So I want people to get involved. Where can they find you online and on your social channels? Yeah, um, you can find us at the 51.com. Um, and that is a consistent header across all of the social channels. If you're interested in participating in the fund, um, you know, email Judy and I at investor at the 51.com. We'll get back to you or our team will get back to you. Um, but maybe I'll further build on what I just said. Um, we also have another way to get activated with the 51 and it's what we call our financial feminist membership. It's $51 a year. So again, we're playing off of the 51%. Uh, and that $51 a year, a year gives you access to a broad community of financial feminists for again, community, content, education. So if you're not quite ready to invest yet, um, you can um, activate as a financial feminist. All right, incredible. Ladies, thank you. I hope to have you back again this year. We'll continue this conversation. It is so important to keep this, uh, to say this loud uh, everywhere, women, we're gonna be in control by 2030. <laughs> well, and, and our philosophy is how can Canada's economy reach its true potential you know, in a way that we like the future, creating the future we want, if 51% of the population is fully participating. So we're really working hard to change that. And the 51 is all of us. It's, Amazing. And we Thank wanna you. grow the community bigger. Thank you. Thank you, ladies. More with Candace Sampson and what she said coming up on 105.9 The Region. Welcome back to What She Said with Candace Sampson on 105.9 The Region. Valentine's Day is definitely going to be a little different this year for our kids, but that doesn't mean we still can't fill it with loads of love. Author, blogger, and TV radio columnist Jamie DeMack is a passionate go-getter who has been in the industry for over 10 years. Her mission? Help women and moms find their recipe for happiness. 
She loves sharing her findings and tips on many subjects related to our everyday lives, including parenting, travel, and different lifestyle topics. And today she is joining me to share some ways you can make Valentine's 2021 memorable for your family. Welcome to the show, Jamie. Jamie. Hi, Candice. Uh, so let's talk about Valentine's 2021. It's a different year. It feels so strange. And so many of our normal things we're not going to be able to do. Right? Yeah, because we're home with the kids. Um, and I thought that I could maybe share some ideas of how we can keep our kids occupied for Valentine's Day because it's on the weekend this year. Um, and something that's really near and dear to my heart is the fact that we're missing our loved ones. Um, our family, our friends. I think of all the grandparents who are missing their kids and grandkids and vice versa. So an idea I think that we all should do on this Valentine's Day is get creating and making some cards that we can send to them in the mail. And I'm sure they'll be so happy to open up that mailbox and find a little card um, with a little note from the grandkids. And if we don't really know where to start, um, HP has a wonderful website called HP Printables, and you'll find a collection of cards and crafts for all occasions. So there's actually a section for Valentine's Day. And I used my HP Envy to print out a few cards that we can use, but they also have crafts and different ideas and I found this wrapper um, to actually wrap a few gifts and it's themed for Valentine's Day. So maybe if you're looking to wrap a little treat for the kiddos or something, um, and I know it's hard to find items in the store so you can actually do your own wrapping paper. Yeah, and you know, a lot of people, it's not even just finding things in the stores. You just don't want to necessarily go to the stores right now, right? Yep. And and you got me in the feels a little bit when we were talking about, you know, dropping off something for the grandparents because we're all missing those special people in our lives and how sweet to just have something for, to, you know, even if you're not mailing it through the mail, just go drop it oh, off yes. in the mailbox, right? Yes, I say mail for maybe those who live far away, but if you're in the same neighborhood or same town, like having a little, doing a little road trip, heading off and just delivering it on their doorstep, kids are going to be excited. Well, I know you love everything to do with being in the kitchen. So what do you have for us for that? Candice, I have the recipe for this Valentine's Day hot chocolate truffle balls. Um, and this is great because it's gonna also get the kids in the kitchen with you. So all you need is three ingredients. You need a half a cup of heavy cream, a cup of chocolate and some cocoa powder. So what you do is you heat your cream and then once it's heated, you add your chocolate, you let it set for three, four minutes, then you whisk it all together. You put it in an air tight container and you put it in the fridge for about six hours and once all you do is you take a spoon and you carve out balls and that's where you're going to get messy because it's it's chocolate so you make the balls of chocolate you roll it in the cocoa powder and voila you have cocoa um, truffle balls and then what, what you do is you heat up your milk your water whatever beverage you want and then you just use one at a time to see because I'm someone who doesn't like it too sweet my kids love their sweet so I might just use one truffle ball for my hot chocolate my kids might use two or three and then you can have a nice afternoon together and you have this easy delicious recipe three and ingredients I, I was gonna say I love that you have everything in in the house you know we're seeing these really complicated bombs but right I don't want to go out and invest in all that <laughs> so this is easy you have everything at home to do this okay excellent and uh so tell us about a family ritual you have with your kids so we've done this for years and I have teenagers now. So it's very simple. What we do is every Valentine's Day, we take a moment where we cut out some little pieces of paper or we make hearts and we, for each person in our family, we write three 
qualities, three things we like, love about them. And then we go around drinking our hot chocolate and we each take a turn sharing for each person what how they mean to how they mean to us. And it's just such a beautiful moment. And when they were little, what we did is we would actually have them, um, we would each take a child and we would write it down for them so that they would get into the feel of the ritual. And then once they got old enough, they could do it themselves. And it's just such a nice keepsake. And it's a moment where I find where we get back to basics. It's such a commercial, like there's so many holidays that are so commercial. This little activity brings it back to the basics. Yeah, I really love that everything you've sort of talked about today is really about you know, it's not commercial. It's about creating those connections with other people. And that's ultimately what the Valentine's Day should be about. Love, friendship, family. So that's why I say, let's get, let's make cards. Let's have time together, keeping it simple, keeping it real. Yeah. So, you know, this Valentine's Day might be, you know, one of the best ones ever, really, because it is going to be all about that connection we have with our families. But quickly, do you have any tips for anybody if Valentine's Day doesn't go as expected? You know what? It's just a day. So if your kids wake up cranky, if you're not feeling well, if you burn your meal, you know what? Just do a do over. Have it in two days. That happened to me one year. My kids were in a terrible mood. I said, you know what? Valentine's Day is not today. It's going to be in two days. And we did a do-over and it was great. So I think that we put so much pressure on ourselves, parents. Let's take it off. And you do it when it's right for you. I love that. Jamie, thank you so much for joining me. This was great. We'll have you back again soon. Thank you. Happy Valentine's Day. Joining me now is Anne Brody with Entertainment. And this month, we're going to be looking at a lot of films for Black History Month. But we can't forget that Valentine's Day is right around the corner. And of course, Anne has brought the love this week. So Anne, what have you got for us? Oh boy, there's there's a lot to choose from. And let's start with Malcolm and Marie, starring Denzel's son, John David Washington, and Zendaya, who is a really good actress. Anyway, it's black and white, created by Mark Levinson, uh, shot in secret in the pandemic. And it's about a former actress and her boyfriend, a filmmaker, coming home from a, uh, an opening of his latest film. And he thinks it's gonna make his future. Uh, well, the reviews start to come in and it, they begin this exhausting long long uh basically an argument (laughs) over the next several hours in their house outside the writing is is really good but i mean it's wearing after a while how how viciously they attack one another but they raise so many interesting points about hollywood the industry and um and the nature of love so I think it's it's definitely worth watching for those reasons, but it is it, it's a bit of a slog. All right. Well, people may not rush to that one then. What about uh, there is another one out of France, I believe, that you shared with two of us. Yes, and it's it's the French uh, entry into the best international film awards at the Oscars this year, uh, and it stars two amazing actors, Barbara Sakawa and Martine Chevalier, and they play. Um, lovers in their maybe mid-60s, early 70s, who've been together since they were children. 
and they've lived secret lives. Uh, one has a family um, and they live across the hall from one another in the same apartment building. So they're, they're usually in, in one of the women's apartments. The other one's fairly bare. And it's the most twisted thing that happens to them. It, it's just devastating. Um, they're about to finally tell her children the truth, the married one's children. And then she has a heart attack or a stroke and she's paralyzed and she can't speak. She can't say anything. And of course her partner won't say anything. And it just becomes so intense because they're still trying to hide it. Um, and Barbara Sakawa's character wants to be her caretaker, but the children won't allow it. And she's barred from seeing her again. And it, it acts like a thriller. It's just incredible how, how love conquers all between these women. Um, I think it's an incredibly great film, just stunning performances. So that's definitely a good one. And the trailer, I have to admit, like it really hit home. So I, I'm eager to see this one. Where can we catch that one, Anne? That's on TVOD. Uh, oh, you know, it's Belgian, actually. Uh, um, and their dream is to go off to Rome together. Of course, that doesn't happen. It's just, there's just so much going on in it. Okay. What else do you have that's going to pull on our heartstrings? Little Fish. It stars um, Jack O'Connell and Olivia Cook. They play a couple living in LA when a pandemic strikes, but it's not the kind that we're in now. It attacks the memory. So it opens with really shocking scenes of sea captains jumping off their ships and trying to swim because they've forgotten how to steer. Airline pilots crashing their planes because they've forgotten how to fly, just things like that. And car crashes all over the place because people forget how to drive. And these two are trying to keep it together. He comes down with the disease and God, it's just heart wrenching. And it's so beautifully shot and made and acted. And, um, you know, and of course it's the inevitable, but it, it speaks to the time we're in now and it speaks to one's dedication and, and how vulnerable we are to mother nature. I think that okay. was my big takeaway. Okay. And we only have about a minute left here. So I want to jump into for Black History Month. What do we, what can't we miss? Uh, I really, really like the uh, HBO documentary, Black Art in the Absence of Light. It showcases Black art for the last 200 years. And my God, the talent. And there was, a, there's an exhibit, 200 years of Black art that was finally launched in New York but had been refused time and time again. And David Driscoll, the curator, kept at it and kept at it, finally had it show many years ago. And it just opened the doors to all these black filmmakers in terms of installations, portraiture, landscapes, uh, modern art, uh, really is beautiful to see. And it's, you know, it's sad how it began, but at least things are opening up now. So that's really good. It's on HBO. Okay, excellent. So as usual, you have all of this listed on whatshesaidtalk.com so everybody can go and read your reviews, plus more that we didn't get to today. And you will be back next week with more uh, entertainment to keep us busy as we continue this unending <laughs> lockdown. <laughs> we will. Take care, Candace and everybody. Stick around. 
More What She Said with Candace Sampson coming up on 105.9 The Region. Welcome back to What She Said with Candace Sampson on 105.9 The Region. been living under a rock, you've likely been following along with the GameStop phenomenon happening in the stock market. And you might even be thinking it could be a good time to jump in and invest in some of these heavily shorted stocks. Not so fast, says my next guest. Melissa Long is one of Canada's best love authorities on personal finance. She's a sought-after speaker, national media personality, best-selling author, and award-winning writer. She's the host of the top business podcast, Money Moves, Conversations About Investing, and is joining me to now discuss what we need to know before we jump in with these risky investments. Welcome to the show, Melissa. Hello. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so glad you're joining me because I think a lot of people are looking at these stocks. I mean, suddenly there's all this interest in the market, right? Um, and we're thinking, oh, if we could jump in. We might get rich overnight. There's never been... Um, more interest in DIY investing than during the pandemic. There was a huge number of people who opened up um, self-directed online brokerage accounts during this time because all of a sudden they have the time to get into this. And it's exciting because uh, as uh, somebody who is who cares very deeply about financial literacy, it's nice to see people take an interest in their own money and their future and the future of their money. But it can become a little like gambling, you know, I have a wealth simple account, um, you know, and I, I have to admit it's, it, you know, I'm beyond it a couple of times a day looking to see what my stock's doing and ooh, should I invest more and it becomes almost, you know, you get that dopamine hit like any app. Uh, you know, oh. to see what's going on. Yes, there definitely is a dopamine hit. And some of these apps are actually designed to enhance that feeling. You know, you get um, you get this uh, sound effect when you purchase a stock and then they have a little, uh, little animation of confetti being thrown. <laughs> so for sure. But I don't, I can't advise on individual stocks. I don't work with clients to talk to them about that. But from a financial literacy standpoint, I do say if you are going to approach investing, um, that's I'm, I'm so excited that you're going on this journey, but it always needs to start with what is this money for? So anytime you're thinking you're at home, you know, say like my husband, you get excited about some news and you think, Ooh, what's this? Should I be in on this? You know, there is definitely herd mentality here where you get excited about something and you think everybody else is on it. Maybe I should get on it. You hear stories about, you know, people getting rich and you think I need to be on this bandwagon, but take a pause and think, what is my money for? That will often dictate the approach you take to the market. If you have long-term plans for your money, if you think, well, this money really is for my retirement or for my kid's education in 18 years or some longer-term horizon, such as something beyond 10 years, then you would allocate your money in a certain way for those goals. Whenever it's something that you just want to jump into because it's a hot tip or something that you are excited about because you heard about it on a Reddit forum or you saw a meme on your friend's Instagram, it does require a little bit more 
uh, due diligence on your part as well. Often, if you are needing that money in the near term, then you know experts would advise you not to put it in the stock market. Right, because the stock market is meant to be a long-term investment, right? So it's not meant to be, I mean, I know there's people who do day trading, uh, for example, but it's not really the best approach, correct? It just depends. It depends on what your your goal is, right? Well, when I started with that question in the beginning of our call, uh, the beginning of our conversation, it was, well, what's your money for? If you are, if you have some money that you don't need in the near term and you think, well, you know what? I am going to take a couple chances on this. I am, or I am going to do my research and try to see if I can um, make some profits in the short term. Uh, then you could approach it that way. However, <laughs> there is always a however. The stock market has inherently, there's risk. So if you put money in, and you expect it to go up or down in the short term, you could very well see your money go down, <laughs> which is the opposite of what you probably want. But if you are willing to risk that, then, you know, that is, you're, you're an adult, you do what you want to do. So for example, this conversation that I have with my husband, you know, he said, I would like to get into some um, uh, riskier plays in the stock market we have a discussion about, are we okay with losing this money? Um, are, do we need this money in the short term? Or is this something that you can use? Uh, for now, and, and us not, you know, be in any pain, I suppose, if it goes. And so this is a conversation that everyone must have with themselves when approaching it. Because, I mean, if you have looked at the some of the rises and falls of some of these um, uh, particular stocks that have been talked about in this Reddit forum that that has been in the news of late. Uh, you know, these swings are by the hour. And so I know people who have put money into it at the top of the swing and an hour later were very upset that they lost uh, you know, 50% of their investment. Uh, on, on um, you know, if they were to sell at that time. And there are other people who maybe bought at a different time and saw their money rise. But again, volatile. You need to be uh, aware of the, the volatility of some of these options. So I want, I want to talk about that a little bit because these stocks that some of these stocks that are, you know, they're, you know, GameStop, AMC, BlackBerry, Kodak, these are uh, heavily shorted stocks for a reason. These companies probably don't have a long-term uh, uh, viability in the marketplace. Uh, and so that's why they're being shorted. And then this is called a short squeeze, as I understand it. Doesn't necessarily mean it's a good company to invest in long-term, right? I think that when you are making some sort of strategy, uh, there are a lot of things that come into play. And one of the things that some people have um, been doing during this time is they're uh, trying to catch a wave. And so, you know, this is, it's a, a, a short-term trying to time the market kind of play. And there is a lot of research that shows that people, even experts are not effective <laughs> at timing the market um, 
always in their favor. You know, people are human and they get excited and, but they hold on too long because they get greedy. You know, this is you know, well-documented in the science. So sometimes we think we're going to get in on it and get out at a certain time and maybe, um, um, you know, set it up in a certain way, but sometimes human nature comes into play and you need to be aware of that. If you want to in invest more prudently uh, for a specific goal, then there are great ways to do that. There are resources to do that. You mentioned that you use Wealth Simple. That is um, one so-called robo-advisor that you could use to invest in a basket of funds called a exchange traded funds, an ETF, which is uh, a way to diversify some of your holdings because you're buying not just one single stock, you're buying sort of a basket of, of, uh, of stocks, like a, a fund. And so there are ways to do that. There are ways to, to uh, reduce your risk, right? You're not buying one thing. You're thinking this is for the long term. I'm going to buy a bunch of things. I'm going to buy, you know, some telecoms, some banks, some tech companies, uh, some energy companies, and I'm going to buy them in Canada, the US and uh, overseas. So again, diversification that helps reduce the risk if one thing were to fall versus putting a whole bunch of money in one specific stock, hoping that one thing will um, in the lingo of what's going on right now, go to the moon and you will um, make a large amount of money. You know, the yes, if you increase the risk of something, you can, the return is, is often greater. Um, but at the same time, your loss is equally magnified. <laughs> so I always say, you know, you have to be very, very careful with any situation where it seems too good to be true because you know, the adage, it probably is. And I think the best advice I ever received of, about investing was don't invest more than you're willing to lose. Um, Absolutely. So, <laughs> because that's always a risk. What you put in could also go down and you could Yes, lose it if all. you have, yes, for sure. But losing it all, you can reduce that. I mean, people think, well, should I put it in the stock market? I could lose it all. And you think, well, there are ways to reduce that probability, you know, thinking over, you know, 10 years span, for example, I, I, I'm going to invest for my kids education, the market is going to rise and fall over the next 15 years, but hopefully, it will, you know, it, the the trajectory will be upward, right, and you are not putting all of your eggs in one basket. So, when some things fall, you've got your eggs in other places. There are ways to mitigate risk. And I think that's really important um, to, you know, to talk about in this climate. I think people would have felt for sure some anxiety in March 2020 when some of the stocks were going down, when the market was crashing. People thought, ah, I'm going to get out. It's too scary to be in the market. Um, but often sometimes doing nothing is doing something. If you were to have held your stocks and not sold in March, you would have seen the market climb back to pre-pandemic levels. But again, there's so much in motion. We don't always do what is best for our um, bank accounts and our financial futures because in the moment, sometimes our emotions take over. But emotions and the stock market tend not to go together very well. And, and that's why we rely on experts like you. So if people want to connect with you, Melissa, and find you, where can they find you? They can find me at melissaleong.com uh, and uh, I've written a book called Happy Go Money and I am most active on Instagram. Wonderful. Thank you so much for joining me today, Melissa. This is great. Thank you.
For this next interview, let's start with the bad news first. 25,000 Canadians are diagnosed with dementia every year, and 65% of those diagnosed with dementia over the age of 65 are women. Now for the good news. You can help support vital programs and services for 240,000 people living with dementia in Ontario and their caregivers and have fun doing it with the quest. Kathy Barrick, Chief Executive Officer of the Alzheimer's Society of Ontario, is joining me now to share how you, your friends, and your family can all participate in this virtual fundraiser that will keep you active this February. Welcome to the show, Kathy. Thank you, Candace. I am fascinated by this. Um, I'm, you know, we just had somebody on who was talking about a conference that they're doing virtually. I'm loving all the creativity with these virtual events. So tell me about the quest. How does it work? So the quest, yeah, we're pretty excited about the quest as well. So it's the first year and like everybody else, we've had to uh, make ourselves available virtually. So what people do is they sign up as a hero. So you you sign up and say, yeah, I want to raise some money for the Alzheimer's Society, which provides programs and services across the province. Um, and what you do actually is you complete a series of quests. So these are all COVID friendly quests you can do within your own home or you can uh, walk outside. Um, so things like, you know, doing a Zumba session in your living room, you could go for a walk, you could do a memory book, you could uh, join one of our virtual trivia nights. There's all kinds of different quests that actually encompass sort of our whole being in a, in a sense, um, which actually really ties to what we try to do for people with dementia, which is to support them in every way of their life. So that's the question in a nutshell. So do you get to pick like an avatar or do you put your face up? Or how, do, how do you pick your hero? You can do whichever you want. You can put your own face up or you can, uh, I'm pretty sure one of our emails actually tells you how to build your own avatar. I personally don't know how to do that, but I think there's an app that, that tells you how to do that. So you can make yourself uh, a superhero. And then what you do is you reach out to family and friends, colleagues, uh, whoever, and just say, hey, I'm doing this really cool event to support people with dementia. And, and would you support me? So um, really, uh, it, it launched yesterday. And already we've had a ton of interest, which is amazing. So uh, really hoping to raise a lot of money across the province. Well, it really serves two great purposes. It raises funds for something that we, we so desperately need to raise funds for. But people are bored. <laughs> yes, so we are. Fan it's fantastic. I, I want to get serious for a little bit, though, and just talk about the impact that the pandemic has had on people living with dementia and their caregivers. Can you uh, shed any light on that for me? Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, you've, you've highlighted it there, Candice. I mean, we're all feeling the strain of the isolation and staying at home. So imagine on top of that, that you have dementia or you're caring for someone with dementia, that lack of social connection, support networks, uh, supportive programs in person has really had a very difficult toll. Uh, obviously don't have to talk probably too much. I'm sure uh, your listeners are very aware of the impact that COVID has had in long-term care. The vast majority of people in long-term care have some sort of cognitive um, problem, dementia. Um, so it's, it's had a really significant effect, not only you know health and the number of people sadly who have died, but just the inability of care partners to be there for their family. You know, the number of people who have died alone is actually heartbreaking. Um, and, you know, the people who are continuing to live with dementia, even in the community, you know, one of the things we know is that when people remain connected and have meaningful activities, it actually helps them 
um, maintain their functioning for as long as possible. And so not having that, um, we've actually seen um, real life examples of people whose dementia has actually deteriorated quite a bit just because they're, they're stuck at home and, and not having that interaction is really, really sad. So how does the Alzheimer's Society then, how are you helping um, uh, patients and, and their families right now? So within about two days of the lock, the initial lockdown in March happened, we, we went online. So all the programs that we have done um, in person in the past are available online. So we do individual counseling, we do support groups, we do recreational therapy. So some examples of that would be we have a really fun Minds in Motion program, which is a little bit of exercise and some social connection. Um, art programs are online, music programs are online. Again, it's not ideal. It's not the same, obviously, as being in person. We all know that feeling. We're all staring at Zoom all day, so it's, it's not any different um, for care partners and people with dementia. Also, um, you know, people with dementia, their interaction with technology can be a bit of a challenge um, as well. So, no, not the same, but we're doing the best we can to just be there in, in whatever way people need us. Right. Excellent. So if people want to jump in on the quest, then get off the couch, find some fun, creative things to do. If you're running out of ideas yourself, how can they get involved with the quest this month? The easiest way to do that is go to jointhequest.ca, sign up to be a hero, um, you know, participate in the quest, have some fun, get your body moving and your brain moving as well. And, uh, and ask others to support you financially to, as I said, to help people across the province. And I think it's worth noting that, you know, um, that this is, while it's Ontario, the Alzheimer's Society of Ontario, this is open to Canadians. So you can reach out to your family coast to coast, really, and have them Absolutely. join you. Absolutely. As a matter of fact, we had uh, one of our colleagues in New Brunswick reach out and said, somebody in New Brunswick heard about this. Could we enter a team? Absolutely. So if you want to join the quest, please join the quest and we will make sure that uh, the money gets to where you want it to go. So if you're from a different province, we will happily send it there to make sure that those folks get support as well. That's amazing. I love it. Thank you so much for joining me today, Kathy. Thank you for having me. Stick around. More What She Said with Candace Sampson coming up on 105.9 The Region. Welcome back to What She Said with Candace Sampson on 105.9 The Region. Women in business often look to conferences to help them learn new skills, network, and be inspired. When COVID first hit, conferences were one of the first things to be canceled. In 2021, though, they're back, they're virtual, and they're fabulous. Devin Gerard is with Northumberland Business Assistance Development Corporation in Coburg, Ontario. She is the program lead for their Women Entrepreneur Entrepreneurship Strategy Program, which is funded by the federal government and FedDev Canada. She is also the founder of an upcoming free digital conference for women entrepreneurs on Thursday, March 4th called Strike Up and joins me now to share how women from coast to coast can get involved. Welcome to the show, Devin. Thank you for having me, Candice. I think, you know, we're all sort of missing, you know, entrepreneur, female entrepreneurs, we're missing those conferences because they're such a huge part of being inspired every day. So I'm so glad it's back. What inspired you to start this? 
Well, I think like you touched on, many of us women, we really lean on one another. We lean on one another personally, professionally. And so many of us thrive on making those connections and those interactions with other women to help lift us up both in our business and both in our home life. So we try to find a solution to bring a little bit of both inspiration and aspiration as well as some tangible skills to women entrepreneurs all across Canada um, on a platform that we're hoping will help them, you know, tick some of those boxes we've been missing and learn from some of our colleagues and um, really dedicate a day to ourselves, which I don't think any of us have done in quite a long time. So we're hoping this will, will help women, you know, invest some time in themselves. So tell me then, what are some of the workshops um, that you're running through this conference? So we've, we have a workshop section that's divided into um, four different sections that we've heard from women entrepreneurs they're looking to learn more about. So one is on marketing. I feel like most women entrepreneurs, it's sales and it's marketing. We continually want more ideas and more support in that. And we have um, Sarah Stockdale presenting her Grow Class Marketing Strategy. So we're super excited to bring that to our entrepreneurial audience. Um, we also have a panel on overcoming challenges and real-time strategies is what it's titled. So this is working with some key entrepreneurs across Canada who have looked at different areas of their business in terms of scaling up and starting up. So we've broken that panel discussion into those two different section areas to have a deeper dive on some of the challenges and opportunities and um, basically some learnings to share in terms of funding, in terms of when to scale up, how to scale up. A lot of us women tend to run into those same obstacles where we love to do it all. We're proud of what we've done. And at what point do we need to take a step back and think about hiring the right person? What signs do we get from our business that it's time to hire? What are some of those skills and attributes that we look for? So that's another workshop we're presenting. Um, our third one is on looking at women's mental health and wellness. So all of us women right across the country, um, in one way or another, we, we've all struggled um, with how to prioritize our business, ourselves, our family during this time. Um, so she's going to, this is with Dr. Shimmy Kang, and she will do a deeper dive with us in trying to understand some of those balances and how we can help prioritize and optimize ourselves. And our fourth conference or our fourth workshop during that time is about becoming the one and only choice. And that's delivered um, in French for our Francophone attendees. And that's about really scaling your business to become that, you know, leader in your industry and how you set yourself apart in the competition. So that honestly, this is incredible. You really have hit all of the areas. I think every, all the pain points a lot of women have felt over the last year um, <laughs> with, you know, adapting to this sort of new reality with COVID and how to manage your business. And one of the biggest ones that you just said was, um, you know, for me personally, it's, it's letting go of some of that control and hiring somebody because often when we start a business, we're so in the weeds uh, we don't get the time to look over the business because we're too busy in the business. So that sounds like such an incredible uh, uh, workshop in and of itself. Just that would be worth attending, I think, for most entrepreneurs. Uh, so did you have any hurdles trying to find out how you were going to work this with uh, technology? This has been a learning curve for all of us. Yes, it has. We Our goals were to 
um, deliver a platform that appeals to as many entrepreneurs as possible. So we have those four workshops that we talked about, and that's in one, one section of the conference. But we also wanted to attract a, a high profile keynote and a high profile closing to give women that entrepreneurial aspirational message of keep going, you can do it. Here's where I started and here's where I've overcame. So we've retained um, two of the best in the business, in my opinion. So we're going to have Manjeet Minhas open up the conference for us, who many of your listeners are, are familiar with her story and how she's succeeding in really a male-dominated industry um, and some of her lessons that she's able to share. And we also have Amber Mack then closing our conference, who is really going to help our um, attendees focus on the role that innovation and technology can play and how to help them grow and scale their business. And for all conference attendees, when you register, um, you do have the opportunity to win a session with Ask Amber is how we're billing that. So um, she has agreed to provide a mentorship to eight of our conference attendees and look at a business problem that they have and provide some expertise um, with those individuals on how she can help solve it and how we can look at this new world because we're all doing business much differently today than we were 12 months ago. And the role of technology and innovation plays a, a big part in that. So um, she's here to help our attendees gain that insight and see how we can help grow and scale our business in that area as well. That's fantastic. That, that to me, I want that. Uh, so where can people uh, can find the information then and, and join in on this conference on March 4th? So it's free to register if you just go to strikeup.ca. And I should tell all of your listeners that as long as you register by the date of the conference, so by March 4th, you do have up to a year to watch that content because we do also know we're all busy women and, and busy entrepreneurs. So if you register, you still will be able to view that content for a year and continue your learnings. That's incredible. Devin, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you, Candice. That's it for What She Said for this week. Stay up to date with our newsletter by signing up at whatshesaidtalk.com and be sure to follow on social at What She Said Talk on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter for videos of these interviews and more. Finally, be sure to subscribe to What She Said with Candace Sampson on Apple and Spotify for extended podcasts. I'll be back next week with more What She Said on 105.9 The Region. Previous episodes of What She Said on 1059theregion.com.